Hello and welcome back to the Clear Cruise podcast. My name is Toby Cruz and this is episode 7 of the podcast. What have we got in store for you today? Well, Teresa, the cruise editor at Telegraph Travel, joins us alongside Oceana Cruises' Bernie Carter, who sat down with Andy Harmer. Also in this episode, cruise writer and blogger Becky Wiggins talks family cruising, but first... Crossy Europe's John Fair discusses the river cruise sector ahead of the showcase in Paris this November. Uh, I'm joined by John from Crossy Europe. John, why don't you just introduce yourselves and tell us how you've ended up at Crossy Europe? Good morning, Andy. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, John Fair. I'm the UK sales director for Crossy Europe. Um, and my journey into river cruise um, probably came out the back of a, a reasonably long career in ocean cruise, um, but during that time became aware of the growth in the river cruise market um, and had come across a number of the, uh, the river cruise lines operating in Europe, uh, and in particular Quasi Europe through my time at Cosmos. Um, and um, the opportunity came up and I thought this is, a, this is a real opportunity to get involved in a growing business. Was there anything particularly about river that you liked the sound of or what you know, made you want to be uh, in river cruising more? Um, yeah, I think the key thing for me uh, and obviously for, for, for people who take river cruising I think is, is the itineraries. Um, particularly in Europe, but also the worldwide itineraries. Um, you know, the river, the ships are obviously much smaller, so it's not about facilities on the ships. It's about the itineraries, and then on top of that, the food and the service. Um, and you get to go to places that you, you know, you don't wake up most mornings and say, "I'll go to Rudersheim." <laughs> right. But when you get there on a river cruise, it's just beautiful. Yeah. So that sort of stuff, it really interested me. Now there'll be some people who don't know Crossy Europe very well. So can you just give us a, a brief outline of what the, the, the company does? Yeah, um, it's a bit of a hidden secret in the UK. It's actually Europe's biggest river cruise line. We have 55 ships, um, the vast majority of which we own. Yeah. Um, it's a French-owned uh, company, family-run, has been going for 42 years. Um, and so the, the ethos of, of service at a reasonable price flows through the business. Um, and they're also very um, technically advanced, building you know, on the Loire and on the Elbe, ships with paddle wheels to, to move like that. So a very forward-thinking company, family-owned, great values, um, and uh, we're obviously growing in the UK market uh, with agents. And with that many ships, presumably you do most of those rivers in Europe and not just French rivers. Correct. Um, I think don't think there's a river that we don't sail. Um, and we have a number of unique products um, down in Seville, um, in Venice. Um, and then obviously, for example, on the Douro, we have six ships. Um, which is the biggest fleet on the Douro. So, um, so yes, we do do the Rhine, yes, we do, do the Danube, like, like everyone else, yeah. um, but we have a number of unique products that, uh, that, that we operate. And what kind of customers do you see from the UK? Are they people moving from ocean onto river, or are they new to cruising entirely? I think the vast majority are moving from ocean. Um, yes, there are some people who, who see offers and think, oh, I've never done a river cruise, but we, we see them moving over. It is an older market, there's no getting away from that. Obviously, there are people are looking at trying to attract younger, new to cruise, yeah. but it is an older market. Um, but most, most people have done an ocean cruise and then decided to try the rivers. So then presumably those people who sell cru ocean cruising would be able to quite easily move into river cruising as well? I th think that's the case and I think you'll see most of the, 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 the major agents in the UK are moving that way yeah. if they haven't done so already. It is a growth market and there aren't many of those sometimes in, in, the, in the UK holiday market so yeah. it was 13% growth last year so um, people are recognising now the opportunity to, to get into that market. And what barriers exist still to river cruising? Is it still are there still some misconceptions that prevent us uh, getting a sale? Um, I think sometimes the perception that it is literally for old people, which is not true. 
Um, I recently took my family on a cruise, for example, and they loved it. And you know, I've got three children; they absolutely loved every minute of it. So I think that's a misconception. And then also just understanding the differences between the ocean and the river, um, you know, the, the facilities on board, how it works with the dining and everything else. So there's just lots of questions for an agent. Um, and I think if they can work well with, a, with whichever company they choose to work with mm-hmm. and get the answers to those questions, they can then make the sale. But often it's, it's just understanding the differences. A lot of people, uh, certainly the questions we get asked are around what a day in the life of a river cruise is. So maybe you can just explain uh, what kind of thing a, a guest would experience from morning till night on a river cruise. Um, it's fairly active, um, uh, it has to be said. Normally breakfast is reasonably early, say around about 7, 30, 8 o'clock. Um, normally buffet style, and then people will head off on an excursion uh, if they've chosen, chosen to purchase it. That will normally be a morning excursion, um, and then they'll come back and have lunch again. Food is very important on river cruising, uh, yeah. particularly with the French River Cruise Line. Um, and we'll have a, a large lunch, um, and then normally either retire to the sun deck, depending on where the ship is cruising, right. or head out on another excursion, um, and then come back in the evening, and then it'll be uh, the, the evening meal. Um, with company and drinks and then the bar in the evening will open up and there's normally only one bar sometimes there's two but normally one bar um, where there'll be um, people can relax or there'll be some sort of some form of entertainment classical music or something like that that's in that ties in with with where you're docked and the excursions are normally included and is there a choice or is there yes um, on, on, on our on our cruises we don't include excursions people um, we all include we include drinks not as all inclusive right. drinks but people can then choose, pick and choose the excursions they want to do and um, they can either buy the whole package or they can um, pick as many people do some people just want to go into the local town say you're docked up again in Rudersheim you just want to go have coffee yeah. you don't want to do the excursion right um, but other people do want to do it so you can have the choice and pick and choose okay. what you want it is one of the challenges still that a lot of people, customers and agents, don't really understand the differentiation between the different brands that are river cruising? That can be a problem, because um, obviously there are a whole range of products on, on, on the river. Because you're very much in what we call, a, in terms of price I'm talking about, yeah. a mid-range price. Uh, obviously you have the, the, the higher end, um, the, the crystals and the amers, and then you've got uh, some of the coach operators. So there is a wide choice on the river. And sometimes people, if they don't know the brands, they need some education on what, what that will offer. But when you boil it down, it comes down to itinerary, food and service. They are the three key things, whichever level you're at, mm. they're the three key things that drive river cruising. You mentioned uh, act, how active a day in the life can be if, if that's what people wish to do. And certainly we, we hear a lot about bicycles these days, but there, it is quite an active holiday, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, ourselves and, 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 and many other people who operate on the, on the rivers are seeing a big re- increase in requests for act- activities. So hiking, we do, we do specific hiking cruises. Biking, you've mentioned, is very, very popular. Yeah. Uh, and that's not only on, we run some canal barges as well, and we have bikes on the canal barges because um, you can probably cycle faster than the canal barges because <laughs> um, it's very, very relaxing. Um, and, then, um, and then also we've got um, a lot of exper- experiential cruises like food, ta- food, food cooking, food tasting, wine tasting. We even have a beer cruise in Brussels in the, in the winter, which sells it every year. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, so, um, so yeah, people want to do other things on the cruise and that's a growing market, certainly for us, and I'm sure it is for others. And in terms of your guest mix as to where your guests come from on a normal European river cruise, predominantly French uh, with English and other nationalities included? Yes, we are definitely an international cruise line and we're very clear about that. Um, Across our entire programme, obviously with 55 ships, it varies by ship, um, but roughly 50% French on most cruises. But we do have some cruises that are nearly all English speaking, particularly out of places like Vienna, Budapest, um, where there's good uplift um, into those cities. Um, But others are nearly entirely French and we'll always share with people as to what the makeup is on the ship. But roughly 50% French, 50% international. 
now, before we move on to talk about the Paris River Cruise Conference specifically, you've, you've river cruised uh, quite a bit. So do you have a favourite kind of port or experience or river that you've experienced? Um, yeah, I've been lucky enough to do quite a bit. Um, worldwide, I, um, through, the, through the Clear yeah. Conference, I was, right. on the, I was on the Mekong in April, um, and that was stunning. And uh, particularly Phnom Penh um, was, was a real favourite of mine. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, and then in Europe, I was recently, I said, one with my family, and um, we stopped at Arles. Uh, on the Rhone uh, with its Roman architecture and again it was a very short stay about three hours quick tour around and, and a coffee but the, the city was beautiful is it really? but there are there's just so much yeah. you can do uh, I'm sure another favourite will crop up when I go on the next one <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Paris because again kindly you're bringing a ship in for agents to experience and so maybe you could tell us a little bit about what agents will see and experience from the Quasi product there yeah we will have the uh, MS Renoir there um, she is our, uh, our, our she was actually built in 1999 but uh, she's completely refurbished and by that I mean gutted and rebuilt um, uh, last year and she relaunched in April this year uh, so she's one of our five-star uh, products um, she's um, 105 passengers so she's on the smaller side uh, 54 cabins uh, and and the agents who come on board with us will, will obviously experience our, our renowned French cuisine yeah. so uh, they won't go hungry that's for sure <laughs> um, and then obviously it's all inclusive on board uh, lovely furnishings and then obviously we are then offering a fam trip afterwards, uh, which will go up to Rouen and on to Honfleur uh, for four days afterwards. So I hope a lot of agents will want to come and join us uh, to experience what we have to offer and also the Seine River. And the Seine is, is one of your popular routes? Yes, yeah, we've got uh, three ships uh, on the Seine um, and uh, very popular both in the, in, the lo in the local French market but also growing uh, so in the, in the UK market. John, we look forward to seeing you then. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure. Uh, so I'm joined by Teresa and Bernie. Why don't you introduce yourselves? I'm Teresa. I'm the cruise editor at Telegraph Travel, and I've been uh, writing about cruising for about seven years now. Wow. And how did you end up in cruising uh, specifically? Um, I've got a travel background, and cruising was the sort of one travel stone left unturned, and right. I, I ac sort of fell into it by accident, but um, I'm very happy that I did so. It's a great sector. Yeah, you've done yeah. very well. <laughs> very dynamic, yeah. And uh, yes, I'm Bernie, uh, Bernie Carter, Oceani Cruises, uh, managing director now for, uh, well, seems like forever. Uh, I've been with the company for nearly 14 years, since just after they started in the UK. And it's been a real evolution, seeing how we've gone from uh, a, a one ship operation to now six ships and part of a, a massive uh, conglomerate, you know, a global corporation right. worth over $5 billion. So yeah. it shows how the world has changed. And cruising has changed significantly, hasn't it? How, what, what kind of big things have you noticed over the last five to ten years that, that's really changed? I think the, the big story in the last five years has been uh, river cruising, um, something that's gone from being a, a, a very niche uh, type of travel to, um, the, well, the thing that everybody's talking about, really. Um, and it just continues to go from strength to strength, and is, it is very exciting. Yeah, it's a, great, it's a great part of the cruise industry, actually, because it's almost that unexpected hero of, of cruising exactly yeah, yeah. have you um, you've river cruised and have you seen lots of ships obviously yes i have um and i'm i have to say i'm always very impressed by the standard on on river ships i hmm. think the bar has been set extremely high which is great and it's um i think also forced um ocean cruise lines to kind of sit up as well which hmm. is always good 
Um, most recently, I um, cruised with a, a, a small um, expedition river cruise operator called Pandor, um, and that was on the Upper Mekong, which was yeah very exciting. Amazing part of the world. Yes. Yeah, we were lucky enough to be there earlier this year. It's 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 a, a, an unforgettable place. And Bernie, what about you? What about the big trend for you for the last five years? I, th- I think the personalisation of the cruise experience, very much so. And that's river and, and yeah. sea. Uh, the the idea now that um, you know you can be identified just by walking on and off the ship um, by carrying your your tag or whatever with you, that you can have personalised experiences. You can within the same accommodation, you can both have different amenities, uh, and it, it's really a case now that using technology as well is giving us the ability to give people exactly what they want if somebody wants to just have access to the internet for streaming social mm. networks they can have that if they want to have streaming movies netflix etc then fine they can pay their supplement and they can do that and it's not impacting on the rest of the the community so it makes a big difference and is technology still important in your part of the cruise sector hugely is it hugely what it allows us to do is to become even more personal with the guest so the idea is through the use of technology through the use of uh, the the media channels and also through the the, um, system infrastructure that we have we can actually go out to guests and and alert them in advance just like you do with British Airways and the other guys Mm. where you get an email a week before which says you can do this this and this we're communicating with our guests from the get-go so from the moment they've booked right the way through the process letting them know what they can do before they sail and why it's best to do it like speciality restaurants they don't cost anything Mm. but if you don't book them in advance there's going to be a scrabble at the end so the idea is give them all the information they need let them know that we're looking out for them and looking after them and I think the biggest thing with us and it's not just us I've seen it with a number of companies these days the ones that actually have the strong following are the ones that deliver on the service at the other end so John Lewis Apple that sort of thing it's a story and the people that are actually traveling with us want to be part of the Oceania story you take it to the other brands the same thing applies you have a massive loyalty within cruising that once people come into cruising they tend to stay and I think that you know we've seen it before they'll go to the different cruise lines and they'll go from the younger years on the bigger ships with all the massive facilities and yeah. I mean, we've seen it all recently uh, there's sure. go-karting and <laughs> you've got the ice rinks and you've right. got the zip wires but when the kids grow up and they leave and, and you've got you know, a little bit more money to spend as well that's when the upper premium sector comes in and then beyond that the, the, the all-inclusive sector and actually getting children on board cruise ships for their holidays means that we are building up generations for the future. Yeah. Is technology important to your readers or, and what other things do your readers tell you is important for, for, for the choice of cruise? Um, it is important and in fact the Telegraph readership um, tends to be uh, quite tech savvy and they are um, early adopters. Um, when you look around you'll see most of them 60 70 year olds um, even you know skyping texting sending messages back home in fact using up all the bandwidth um, which <laughs> the baby boomers uh, and above yeah um and we do have a sort of very res- responsive readership as well which is it is useful um and i think the thing obviously service is is, is an important um aspect a lot of them they're, they're very well traveled they're cultured um you know they've got money to spend and they like to to feel like they're getting value for money um that's not necessarily bells and whistles but um you know they expect a certain uh standard on board um problems mostly arise when um expectations haven't been managed properly yeah. so that that's that's a key 
a key thing. In, in certain Sell areas, in, in, in certain areas, or, I or think generally, matching um, the cruise ship to the to the person. Ships have personalities. Yeah. Um, so do travellers, and I think of it like a, a dating site. You, you you know, ask them what they want to do in their free time. Do they love uh, riding bikes? Have they got a keen interest in wine? Um, you know, taking all those things on board, yeah. you, can, you can definitely sell someone a fantastic cruise holiday. And I guess one of the challenges is that as as we add more innovation and creativity to each new ship that's launched, you end up with brands that have a very different proposition ship by ship. So actually, even though you may be attracted to a certain brand, that doesn't mean that the ship is the right fit. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so Norwegian Cruise Line, I guess, is a good example, as many oh, of the the, the, yeah. the the cruise lines are. Well, in fact, the, the, all of the, the mainstream uh, contemporary cruise products, yeah. they've got ships that were around sort of 20 years ago, and you see the difference in style between those and what they're building now. And yes, NCL's got another one coming out. Bliss came out recently. Royal have a ship coming out pretty yeah. much every year. MSC. Yeah. And I heard some great reviews about MSC Seaside. You mm. know, the, 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 that ship in itself is totally different from their older fleet. Bliss takes the Norwegian brand to mm. another level. Yeah. And it, I was blown away by what I saw, uh, particularly as well, because in some of the public areas, it was very reminiscent of Oceania cruises. The, really? Some of the furnishings and the carpeting, it was. It had a certain level about it. And I think the great thing now is that brands or corporations have the brand selections to cater for everybody. And you've got a journey, sort of, yeah, we can try to take people on an aspirational journey. Mm. But as well as that, like you said, within the brand itself, somebody might fancy, even within Oceania, somebody that fancies a nice, immersive cruise will go on one of our smaller ships mm. 680 guests longer itineraries more time in port etc but then we go to the larger ships and that's more contemporary it's more like a country club than a country hotel so again you know we regularly get customers when they're at shows where the husband and the wife are actually arguing about which ship they want to go on because he might want one thing and she might want something else yeah and it, it's engaging with the the guest and the customer in that whole experience and Teresa hit the nail on the head there is something for everybody, but the art of it is making sure that they've got all the information they need to make the right choices. Um, and um, we talk a lot about new to cruise, and we talk a lot about those misconceptions that people have. Do, do, do you get the sense that your readers are overcoming those misconceptions, or have we still got a lot of work to do? Um, I think we've made great gains actually in the last few years. It's um, which is it's been very encouraging. Um, but what what I find interesting is that uh, river and river and ocean cruising are also two very very different types of holiday. And I've been on um, ocean ships where. I've had people that have maybe this is their 15th ocean cruise and they say to me but what is river cruising really? and it's completely alien so I think it's also very important for us um, sort of who are living and breathing cruise to remember um, that we assume an awful lot yeah. Um, and yeah <laughs> well we get very immersed into the yeah. industry and we you're right we forget yeah. we take yeah. a lot for granted and do you and Bernie do you find that your main competitors are still land uh, Funnily enough, you know, in the earlier years, you look and we, we used to say that we don't have any competition because you know, yeah. you'd be looking at the cruise industry. We were the first in that sector. There are now other companies in that sector, but we're working collaboratively because, again, take that collaboration and take the broader collaboration of cruise. Yes, land has 90 odd percent of the travel community. Right, right. So the cruise industry as a whole 
is looking out there, and we can all look after our past guests because they come back through loyalty and because mm. they know the product. Finding new to cruise guests is the big one. And it's the likes of the Telegraph that are actually going out and talking to the readership, that are actually going out to people that they think they still see, and no matter how many times we shout about it, they still see cruising as being something that's it's stuffy, it's old-fashioned, and they don't like being cramped, they don't like the idea of you know not being able to get off. When you deal with those misconceptions, and you do it on a constant basis, then you start to get out there and you start to, to get into the people's psyche. But it is the biggest opportunity, mm. still. And, and I get a sense that when we talk about cruising now, we don't talk about cruising per se. We tell stories, for example, around the, the dining experiences. And that's one way to, to connect with potential guests. And you do it very well at Telegraph, but you, and you do it very well on food specifically. But um, uh, And presumably that helps paint the right picture. Definitely. I think the the great news is that there is so much information out there. It's just sort of working out how to navigate your way through it. And I, and I also think that um, TV programmes, I think Jay McDonald has, has really done a lot to put cruising on the map. Mm. Um, because at the end of the day, people most people go on holiday to, to have a bit of fun. Well, you'd hope so. And, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, she certainly injects that into the experiences. And I think um, just the, the variety of experiences that, that you know, she has um, is is really helpful for people, and I think as well uh, what what Jane does very well is that she brings emotions into play. Uh, and these days, with any purchase, we're learning as 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 a as a community of of human beings that if you appeal to people's emotions rather than their pocket, you will actually be able to deliver a better experience. Hmm. Uh, okay, so that better experience might cost a bit more, but if people are getting exactly what they want out of it, they don't mind. I think we've seen that in the cruise industry over the past, since 2016 in particular. 16 was a crazy year. The Americans weren't traveling. We in the European offices had to fill the ships. Yeah. So we did it at any price, massive marketing budgets, low cost. In the two years since then, the whole industry has managed to virtually double our pricing back to where it should be to deliver the right product, a sustainable product moving forward, because that's the biggest thing. We all want value. But at the same time, we have to respect the fact that in order to keep developing and maintaining that value and the quality, you have to be able to sell at a certain price. Uh, one thing we talk a lot about in the UK is the average age of a cruiser. Uh, and I know talking to other cruise line executives, they, they, they always look to lower the average age and, and attract those newer generations. Are we, are we getting there with that? And is that still important? Um. Not so much with tele Telegraph readers, although um, the market that um, we we do write a lot for now is the family market, and I think again, cruising is is a fantastic family holiday. It's mm. uh, it just takes care of everything. It takes the hassle out of so much, and um, as you said before, Andy, I think once you get children, um, when, once they get cruising under their skin, yeah. it, it really does stay with them um, for life. Um, so I think that's a very good way to to entice. Yeah. Tice younger cruisers. In three weeks' time, I'm boarding one of our ships with my two daughters, their husbands, and it's actually the two babies inside my two daughters because they're both pregnant. So wow. how's that for reducing <laughs> the age? There's a multi-generational <laughs> trip if ever we, we saw one. It is. But yes, the, the age is, we're, we're seeing it across the board. It, it's coming down in some cases more than others. By destination, we're seeing it in uh, yeah. particularly Mediterranean in the summer is, is lower. Caribbean is lower. Sure. The longer itineraries, when you get to a round-the-world cruise, of course, who's going to spare six months? So it goes up. Mm. But yes, overall, the um, the average age 
every year it comes down sort of hmm. a little bit yeah. uh, uh, on a continual basis. Uh, and I guess we still have a lot of work to do because uh, that over 50 market is still very big and still travels, in fact, travels more than, than previous generations. Um, in terms of destinations, we saw from the Clear UK report that those longer haul destinations are becoming more important. Is that a trend you've both, both noticed, that people are being more adventurous? Um, certainly, uh, again, coming back to Telegraph readership, yes, they are extremely adventurous um, and they've travelled so much that they're always looking for that sort of new experience and um, that again where cruising is so great is that there are there are some incredible off the beaten track destinations that you can only travel to by by ship hmm. um, so yeah ultimately it, 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 it sort of ticks they're a lot looking of boxes. further afield yes Bernie uh, yes and, and in fact something that's been happening particularly over the past five years is people want experiences they want to be able to spend on experiences, so it's less about buying like goods now, like cars yeah. and houses and everything else. They want to actually take memories with them, and I think that the great thing with cruising, because you're visiting so many different ports, so many different countries, and I think the way that the cruise lines are now understanding that, okay, we're going to this port, what is special, really special about this port? Let's pick out a, a, a key highlight that if you go there, you're going to want to see it. You're going to want to do it. And I think that there's more emphasis on what you do off the ship when right. you're on the itineraries now. Okay, so uh, in five years' time, we'll be we'll invite you back. Uh, well, probably before then. But if we look, if you, we put our heads forward five years and we look back on 2018, 2019, what do you think will be the standout moments for the industry? Where do you think we're headed? What's the next big thing? Well, the next big thing for this year, I think, has to be um, Edge, Celebrity Edge, yeah. um, which is um, breaking a lot of new ground just in terms of design um, and facilities. And um, I think also, you know, talking about luxury, yeah. um, it's got it's going to have some of the biggest, I think, 5,000 square feet is the iconic suite, mm -hmm. the size of the iconic suite. Um, the balcony, balconies alone are as big as some cruise ship cabins so really? um, wow. <laughs> yeah lot, lots to look forward to even this year yeah um, Bernie what's next uh, well I think there's there's a couple of things that really uh, get my attention obviously with my history from the world being yes. the residential ship thing uh, is that you know you've got Ritz Carlton coming into the fray with the yacht style operation yeah. and, I, and I, I would expect to see somebody finally make that leap to go in to do something like the world I think Virgin Cruises is going to shake things up and I think as well within the NCLH Corporation, hmm. we've only just got our feet under the table right. as an organisation. So there's going to be some pretty exciting things happening uh, over the next five years within all three brands. And the, I think the best thing about the industry is that it never stands still. We know uh, how to develop and how to, to learn. So I think what you're going to see is a lot more technology is going to be coming into play but it's going to be behind the scenes okay so the idea is that it's not going to become faceless and impersonal it's going to allow us to become much more personal interesting well we shall we shall catch up in five years time and we'll see how how accurate we were but for now thank you very much thank, thank you very you. much thank you Hi, I am Becky. Um, I'm a writer and I've got a blog called EnglishMum.com. So how did you get into cruising? I started as a mummy blogger 
lots and lots of years ago, 12 years ago actually. 12 years. And from then I started writing about lifestyle and holidays and stuff like that. And then I started going on cruises. And that was the end of your land-based holidays? Uh, no, I still do land-based holidays as well. In between the cruises, Yes, obviously. and sometimes both, sometimes at the same time, like a bit of a stay uh, and cruise, that kind of thing. And what about a destination that you haven't been to that you'd really like to cruise to? Oh, that's a good question. I would really like to cruise in China. I would like oh, to do a China river cruise. On the Yangtze? Yes. Nice. So that's all we have for this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. Let us know what you think on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe on your podcasting app so you don't miss out on any of the upcoming episodes. A huge thank you to Teresa, Bernie, Becky and John for appearing in this episode and of course to Andy Harmer for interviewing them all. And we hope that you tune in again next week for episode eight. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Toby Cruz. Happy cruising.